You're listening to the Southwide Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor Jeremy Lewis. At Southwide Baptist Church, our mission is to boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and thereby lead people to worship God authentically, connect in biblical community, grow in Christian maturity, and multiply disciples and churches both locally and globally. For more information about our church, please visit www.southwidebaptist.com. Now let's join Pastor Jeremy for today's message. Well, if you have a copy of God's Word, I invite you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, as we continue our time of worship in the Word, particularly looking at a house divided. Paul wrote in verse 10 of chapter 1, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. So two things, the church that has been united to Christ, must then further be united in Christ. And we must strive with every effort that we have to live together in unity, to agree together and to be of the same mind and the same judgment. But anyone who's been through any kind of church division, or for that matter, anyone who's been through any kind of conflict in your life, how many of you have been through conflict before? Yeah, if you didn't raise your hand, you're lying. Um, any of us who've been through conflict would say that that seems to be an unachievable thing. It's much easier to say that you should all agree than it is to actually live it out. Um, it can be difficult to resolve the conflict, even to begin with. And then beyond that, after the conflict is over, it can be very difficult to uh, to reconcile the relationship. And sometimes it seems that no matter how hard you try, things just seem to go from bad to worse. Words are said. Feelings are hurt. Disagreements happen. Personalities clash. Things don't get handled well. Sometimes it feels like that no matter which way you turn, it just seems to make things worse. That there are no right answers. And everything you try either does no good at all, or it just seems to exacerbate the problem. And then if you take all of the individual conflicts, right, and you bring them all into the same room together, which sounds like just a disaster waiting to happen, and you put all these people together in the same group, it kind of turns out to be a real mess sometimes, right? One of the core values of our church is biblical community. We really believe that it is important that we connect together in biblical community, seeing the Bible come to life. But one of the real risks of biblical community is that you might get into conflict with somebody. Now, God's commanded it, and it honors him that we meet together regularly, like it is dishonoring to the Lord if we forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But we've got to admit that being together sometimes produces conflict by just being together. So I want you to understand this morning 
that protecting and promoting the unity of the church requires deep wisdom. We're actually going to maintain this thing called unity. It requires some wisdom. And not just a superficial level of wisdom. I mean, it requires searching after God. Seeking after His counsel. Seeking after His Spirit to be at work among us. And sometimes through blood, sweat, tears, and a lot of loss of sleep. Well, here's the good news. (laughs) The good news is that God's Word promises to give us wisdom. James chapter 1 and verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. That's good news, that God promises to give us wisdom. The question, though, is how exactly does that happen? Or or maybe more specifically, where does true wisdom come from? Because everybody has their advice column. Everybody wants to tell you how things will work out better. Where does true wisdom ultimately come from? Well, that's the question that Paul aims to answer here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 as we read the last part of the chapter together. So if you found your place, let me invite you to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word, beginning at verse 6, the source of true wisdom. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Although it's not a wisdom of this age, or of the rulers of this age, who are doomed to pass away. We impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Or who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him. So also... No one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? We have the mind of Christ. Lord, I pray this morning that you would give us the very mind of Jesus. That this morning as we consider your word and what it teaches us about wisdom and the source thereof, I pray, God, that you would open our eyes to see. That you would show us where we are far too dependent on human wisdom. 
that you would show us where we are way too caught up in the reasoning of this world. And that you would loosen our grip on those things. That you would break our pride. And that you would remind us of who we are in light of the cross. And Jesus, may we look to you for wisdom in our conflict. But even in a greater way in general, may you be our wisdom and the very power of God at work among us this morning. Lord, I thank you that we are seeing perhaps the beginnings of revival across our nation. Lord, I, I am just so incredibly burdened that we remember this morning that it will not happen by might or power, but by your spirit. And so would you move among us mightily this morning to impart wisdom and may we be stirred to obey you with everything that we are. I pray in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Perhaps the greatest problem at the church at Corinth was not their lack of wisdom. Perhaps the greatest problem at the church at Corinth was their dependence on the wrong kind of wisdom. Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and a refreshment to your bones. The church at Corinth was the very epitome of the opposite of that section of scripture. They had grown dependent on their own wisdom. They argued for status and achievement. Dividing into various camps over different issues and following particular positions of leadership on various matters and forming allegiances to those leaders who shared their opinions the most. They were leaning on their own strength, the strength of their own understanding. And instead of being in a place there was a place of healing and refreshment, as the writer of Proverbs said. They became a place of wounding and a place of stagnation. Paul has already gone to work to tear that down. He says, this is not the kind of thing that should be happening in the local church. You are people of the cross. You are people who have experienced the saving power of God. There is no spiritual superiority in the church. We are all on level ground at the foot of the cross. And he reminds them of that in chapter 1. That none of them bear any other name but the name of Jesus. Their dividing into groups and arguing with one another is in fact declaring their allegiance to one another over Christ. It's a failure to even bear the name of Jesus at all and to be united in him. They were depending on their own human wisdom, and therefore emptying the cross of its power, Paul says. They were depending on this power, this power of human logic, and this is true, by the way, of any church that remains divided from one another. 
To be a divided church is to fail to bear the name of Jesus. Because it is Jesus himself, the one whose name we claim, that is uniting us. And it is through his power that we have been restored to God. Through his blood that we have been forgiven. This is the reality of the Christian church. We are one in Christ. And Paul reminds them of this. He also reminds them that it wasn't because of their status, the very thing they're aiming for, that they were chosen by God. In fact, they weren't the most spiritually elite. They, they weren't the most wise of the day. They weren't the most powerful. They were not the most influential. In fact, God chose in Corinth those who were the least of society. And he saved them in order that their boasts would not be in themselves, but ultimately in the Lord. There is no boast in human wisdom. Paul says that's laid to waste. That's brought to an end. The wisdom of the wise is destroyed by God. So that the wisdom and power of God, his eternal power and wisdom might be seen in the cross. That's why Paul said in chapter 2 at the beginning where we were last week that he didn't come to proclaim to them the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. It wasn't his goal to give them a good sermon. It was his goal that they hear the cross over and over and over again. So we shared about in Connect Group this morning, Bible study this morning. It was not a, a place of springboard where they get the cross and they move on to other things through human wisdom. But rather it was the very foundation on which everything Paul wanted to build. And therefore his whole aim, his whole aim is that Corinth and that we would see the emptiness of human wisdom in light of the cross. Human wisdom is a false wisdom. God brings it to nothing. He destroys it through the gospel. And the gospel <laughs> boasts rather than of his infinite wisdom and his power. And so that is Paul's message to the church. On that, he begins to build what is then true wisdom. The tragic thing is that Corinth, although they had once turned away from human wisdom, turned again to the very wisdom that could never save them in order to deal with the conflict that was among them. This is so striking because we do the very same thing. The hard stance on particular issues that they had taken, boasting of their wisdom on these issues and trying to, trying to say, I'm right and you're wrong and all these different divisions that were happening in the church. What happened was that the very wisdom that they turned to that they thought was going to solve their problems was actually creating more problems. They're turning to the wisdom of their flesh. One of the reasons that Paul writes this letter to them is to deal with those specific disputes that they had. But it cannot be denied that the very wisdom they were relying on, the wisdom of their flesh, their own ability to, to apply their own opinions and their own desires to things, ultimately divided them. We as the church are so guilty when it comes to conflict. Of relying on our own understanding and ignoring the wisdom of God to try to solve the conflict. Can't tell you the number of times that, that churches have to re be reminded to go back to the Bible to get the wisdom to deal with the conflicts that they're in. 
It's a reminder to us constantly. We are slow to turn to the wisdom of God and quick to turn to the wisdom of the world in order to solve conflict. And Paul aims at turning the hearts of the church at Corinth away from worldly wisdom and to the true source of wisdom. Well, what is that? Verse 6, follow with me, says this. Yet among the mature... He's not talking about older in age. He's talking about those who are more spiritually mature to those who have grown up in Christ. He says, we do impart wisdom. So he is concerned about a true wisdom. And he contrasts that. He says, it's not the wisdom of the age, so don't turn back to that wisdom. He describes in verse 7, a secret, hidden wisdom of God. And we've got to be careful here because he's not describing some kind of secret knowledge that some in the church have as opposed to others in the church. He's describing a secret hidden wisdom that is hidden from the world. It's a wisdom that, that Christians have. There's a danger of this thing called Gnosticism in the first century where some in the church would believe that they had more special knowledge than everyone else in the church. That there was this kind of secret knowledge of God that only the spiritual elite had. That kind of thinking is what was going to be leading to the division at Corinth. Paul says, this is not what I'm describing. He says that it is a knowledge, he goes on, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. He's talking about a plan. The plan of redemption. And he says, none of the rulers of this age understood it. Because if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Then he quotes Isaiah 64 and verse 4. We'll come back to that a little bit later. Verse 10 says, these things, what things? The, the wisdom that Paul is imparting. These things, verse 10, God has revealed to us through the Spirit. How do you get this wisdom? This wisdom is found through the Spirit. How much of it is given? Verse, the end of verse 10. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Right? So go down to verse 12. He says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. Who's received the Spirit which is from God? All Christians. This is all Christians receiving this knowledge. That we might understand the things freely given to us by God. God, by His grace, has freely given us wisdom. Believers all have that same spirit. Later, he distinguishes between the natural mind and the, uh, the, the mind of Christ that is in every believer. We'll come back to that again in a moment. Verse 13. And we impart this. What is this? The same thing he's imparted throughout the rest of the passage. Wisdom. We impart wisdom in words. Who is it that's imparting this? It's the apostles. It's Paul. It's the teaching. And we know that the apostles taught the scriptures. He's teaching the word of God by the spirit of God. He says it's not taught by human wisdom, but it's taught by the spirit. Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. So then... What is the source of the wisdom that Paul is describing? It's not the wisdom of the world. It is a wisdom that all believers have imparted 
more and more as we mature in Christ, what is the source of true wisdom? If you just take all of that together as one body of truth, the source of true wisdom is the Word of God applied by the Spirit of God among the people of God. The source of true wisdom. You want to know how to really be wise. It will be found in the Word of God applied by the Spirit of God among the people of God. So what happens when we pray? When we ask God for wisdom? And He gives it generously. How does it come? It comes when He by His Spirit takes His Word and teaches it and brings it to life among His people. And that's when wisdom is formed. And we have that unique gift The same is not true outside of the church. By God's grace, he has designed that within the local body, we would experience this kind of wisdom uniquely. He's given it to his body. Gathering of people in which we hear and study God's word together. In preaching and in teaching and connect group and in various Bible studies. He gives us his spirit Who, as we study and as we are taught, confirms and applies and brings light to what he is teaching us. Even the deepest of mysteries, not just the simple things, but even the deepest of mysteries, God brings to light by his spirit as it's imparted to us. True wisdom is found in the word of God applied by the spirit of God among the people of God. So Paul takes this idea, and it's very interesting the way he kind of weaves together this whole idea into some very key things that we need to understand about just kind of what it means for the Spirit of God to take the Word of God and apply it to the people of God. What does that look like? Well, there are four components to this one truth, four parts of Paul's argument that he kind of weaves together here in verses 6 through 16. And the first one is this. True wisdom true wisdom begins with the gospel. True wisdom begins with the gospel. Notice verse 6, he says that he imparts this wisdom among the mature. But then he contrasts that. He says it's Not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. They're doomed to pass away because they've rebelled against God. This is who we all are by nature. Those who turn away from the wisdom of God to the wisdom of the world. Those who turn away to their own wisdom, they're wise in their own eyes, ultimately sin against the holy God. And every one of us have done that. And the result of turning away from God's wisdom and to our own wisdom is a thing called death. The Bible says it this way, the wages of sin is death. We know that as we turned away from God in the garden, this took place. But every single person from the beginning of time to now was born into this state of sinfulness. And we've all rebelled against God. 
And so the, the doom of that is death. He says, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. Now, this is super important. What is it that God decreed before the ages for our glory? Well, it's something that none of the rulers of this age understood. Paul says that. Something that they didn't understand at all. For if they had, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. Well, what is it exactly that that is planned, that is decreed before the beginning of time. Well, he quotes from Isaiah chapter, chapter 64 and verse 4. And the verse is, What no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, just to give you a little bit of context, we had time this morning, we go to Isaiah 64. If you've got time, you can turn there, kind of come, go along with me. The first five verses, you could take all of Isaiah and read through and get to the end and realize that Isaiah is portraying a, a story of what God was going to do and bringing judgment against his people for their sin, but ultimately restoring them. And the beauty of the, the, the suffering servant, this Messiah Jesus who is going to come and who's going to take on the sin of the world on his shoulders. When we get to the end of Isaiah, and there is this picture of both restoration and stubbornness. Restoration and judgment. So verse chapter 64 says, Oh, that you would rent the heavens and come down. This is Isaiah crying out to the Lord. Oh, that you would come and do something about the condition of your people. He's coming. It's a cry for what God has already promised. That the mountains might quake at your presence. Verse 2, as when the fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil to make your name known to your adversaries and that the nations might tremble at your presence. I long for the day of Jesus' return, don't you? We look for the day of Jesus coming and setting up his kingdom. Man, this is something that Israel was told about that they should have been looking forward to. But they missed it. Verse 3, when when you did awesome things that we did not look for. Israel didn't look for this to happen. You came down. The mountains quaked at your presence. Verse 4. From of old no one has heard or perceived by the ear. Here's the verse. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. They know of the saving hand of God. Verse 5. You meet him who joyfully works righteousness. Those who remember you in your ways. Behold, you were angry and we sinned. In our sins, we have been for a long time. And shall we be saved? And the answer of the New Testament is yes. Yes, you shall be saved. But it will not come based on your own understanding. And the Bible says that if they had understood if they got that, if they realized the Messiah is coming and he's going to save us from our sins, then they wouldn't have crucified him when he got here. What Paul is saying, if you could have understood it through human wisdom, if you could have figured it out, if you could have seen it coming, then that would have been the plan of God. But no man could have seen it coming. No man could have figured it out because no one is righteous in their own eyes. No one is righteous in God's eyes, only in their own eyes. And everyone has turned away from God. And the result of that is 
that we need saving. We need saving. And the gospel has come. Jesus died on the cross. He suffered in our place. And he rose again in order that we might be born again by his spirit. That we might be have the, the blinders removed from our eyes and be made to see for the first time. You see, we need the gospel in order to even know God. We need the gospel in order to even begin to talk about wisdom, to see the world rightly. Everything around us is broken, and within us is broken, and without the gospel, there is no talk of wisdom. This is why the gospel must be good news and not just good advice. I can tell you this morning about how to have a better marriage or how to raise your children. I can tell you this morning about how to be good with your finances and to live a successful life. But none of those things matter, friend, apart from the gospel. Because the gospel is not good advice, it's good news. It's the good news that although I could give you all of this good advice and you could never complete it and never live the life that God intended you to live, God came to save you, to rescue you, and to restore you into a right relationship with Him. That's good news. And it's better, better than any good advice you could ever get here on earth. True wisdom begins with the gospel. If you've never come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that's where it all begins. Secondly, true wisdom is revealed by the Holy Spirit. True wisdom is revealed by the Holy Spirit. So the source of true wisdom is the Word of God applied by the Spirit of God. Paul says, yet among the mature we do impart wisdom. He picks it back up in verse 10 after he makes the contrast. And he says, these things... God has revealed to us through the Spirit. What Spirit? The Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God. He makes that plain in verse 12. And he says that the Spirit searches everything in verse 10, even the depths of God. And then he builds this argument. He says, who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So concentrate just a minute. Alright, what's the person next to you thinking? I'm not blank, right? I mean, some of us might know. If you've been married long enough, you better know. But anyway, um, so, so it's impossible for you to know the thoughts of another person. The Bible says God knows your thoughts. What is even more cool than that is that the Spirit of God, that God is one in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and the Spirit of God knows God. Perfectly. And God, by His grace, has said, He will show you to me. He will remove the blinders. We just finished studying the book of John. It seems like yesterday, that story of Jesus and Nicodemus. And Jesus tells Nicodemus, You must be born again. Nicodemus is confused and he says, You've got to be born of the Spirit and the water. You've got to be born of God. This is how we begin to understand the wisdom of God. It is revealed to us by God's Spirit. Now remember, this is a people who've grown dependent on their own flesh, their own reasoning. And Paul reminds them, don't get high and lofty on me. The only reason you even understand 
the things of God is because God has revealed it to you. It's a miracle. It's a miracle that you even understand the gospel. And it's because you've been born again by God's Spirit. He has opened your eyes to see. Verse 14 says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. So he doesn't accept them. We in our nature, in our fallen state, do not accept the things of God. We don't want the things of the Spirit of God. And he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. You ever tried to have a conversation about hard things in the Bible with someone who doesn't know Jesus? It's, I mean, you might as well be talking to a, to a wall. Because they're spiritually discerned. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't have those conversations. But you, if you've ever had that kind of a conversation where it just seems like it's going nowhere. And there's excuse after excuse after excuse and argument to endless argument. The reality is these are spiritually discerned truths. The natural mind doesn't understand them or accept them because they are spiritually discerned. We need God to teach us by His Spirit. The argument is in our nature. Remember, Paul is moving these people from dependence on human reason to full dependence on God. He's shaking them of their pride. Their status debates. He's reminding them that it's not because of human achievement or how much they understand or how wise they are, but how much has been revealed to them by God. Spirit knows God perfectly. We need, every single time we sit under the teaching of God's Word or at the study of God's Word individually, privately, we need God to teach us. We need Him to teach us. Preaching, teaching, connect group time, counseling with others, private conversations with friends, personal study at the dining room table. We need the Holy Spirit. We cannot, in studying God's, God's Word, resort to our own interpretive abilities. We can't just take passages of Scripture and make them say what we want them to say and apply them across all kinds of different areas. We need the Holy Spirit to do that for us. And the wondrous thing about this passage is not only do we need Him to do it, He's promised He will. The Spirit will search out everything, even the depths of God, and He will be our teacher. Some of the deepest mysteries... The most difficult questions in life and in scripture, some of the most impossible situations where we don't think there's an answer, some of the hardest conflict where there seems like there's no hope, some of the most broken societies where there seems like there's no revival, God's spirit shows up and everything changes. There's so much to unpack there. We must walk in and be led by God's Spirit in everything that we do. And by the way, that is not purely emotion. God's Spirit does quicken the emotion, but it is not emotional purely. It's also not purely intellectual, where we only understand the truth. Beyond that is certainly communal. It's something that we, that we Spend time with God. We fellowship with God. Koinonia being fellowship even in God's spirit. Part of it, part of the, the spirit of God leading us into truth is just pure mystery and faith. But there is a firm conviction here in Paul that says, I can't 
do it without you. Spirit of God, true wisdom is revealed by the Holy Spirit. Third, true wisdom is taught through the Word of God. True wisdom is taught through the Word of God. Let me just say at the onset, if you think the Holy Spirit of God is telling you something and it conflicts with the Word of God, it's wrong. And it's not that He got it wrong, it's that you got it wrong. The Spirit of God doesn't say anything that's counter to the Word of God because the Word of God is inerrant, authoritative, inspired, very breath of God, breathing out His Holy Scripture. God Himself, in the presence of His Holy Spirit, gives His Word the illumination. He gives His Word revelation. Verse 6, Paul says, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom. He says that two more times. Verse 7, We impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God. Verse 13, And we impart this in words. So what are the words that Paul is teaching? Well, he's teaching the Scriptures. The Old Testament, New Testament Scriptures. The Apostles' Doctrine, we know in in Acts that this is what they gave themselves to. The teaching of the Apostles, and we have that contained in the New Testament. And then the Old Testament Scriptures. We know that there are more quotes in the New Testament from the Old Testament than we might imagine. They regularly use both Testaments in their teaching. It is the, the whole counsel of God's Word that they taught, that they imparted. The wisdom of God is not divorced from the Word of God. Now, in one part, this is the formal teaching of God's Word. Where God, by His Spirit, leads faithful men to teach in the church. Preaching. Teaching in Bible study. And praise God for a faithful teaching here at Southwide. Praise God for that. And we, by His Spirit, trust Him to teach His Word as we proclaim what is really there in His Word. It's the goal. I want to give you my opinion. I want to give you what God has said. And that is what changes our lives. That is what imparts wisdom. But in another part, it is private study of His Word. Not private interpretation. We know the Scripture does not come by private interpretation. It's clear. As you study God's Word, we must study in context. We must understand what it really says. And the Spirit helps us there. But notice verse 15. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. Let me help you there. That doesn't mean... That you can now tell your Christian brother, Christian sister, you can't judge me. <laughs> That's not what it means. It's not, this is not your excuse to say, don't judge me. Actually, Paul is not talking about other believers at all. He's talking about the world. That's the contrast. Natural mind, mind of Christ. He says, the spiritual person, the, the mind of Christ, judges all things rightly. Why? Because of the mind of Jesus and taking the word of God and applying it. It's not that we're without error. The word is without error. And is himself judged by no one. In other words, the same standard that's used to judge in the world is not used to judge us as Christians. It's the word that judges us. And we have the mind of Christ. How have we understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? 
We don't instruct him, but he's given us his mind in his word. It's contrasting with the world again. The word of God is our standard. The same spirit of God who's at work in the formal teaching is at work in the private study. It's we having the mind of Christ study his word and God's spirit brings it to life. Not just teaching us some of the depths of who God is. And he imparts wisdom to his people through his word. By his spirit, through his word, and there's one more. True wisdom is refined among the people of God. True wisdom is refined among the people of God. I want you to pay close attention here. Proverbs 27 verse 17 says this. Iron sharpens iron. And one man sharpens another. You cannot read this passage of scripture and not see the togetherness that is here. Remember, he's speaking to a divided church. But notice how many times he speaks to them in the plural. Verse 6, yet among the mature. Among is describing more than one person. In fact, an entire group of people, an assembly of people. Verse 7. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which is which God decreed before the ages for our glory. It's a corporate nature to this. Verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. Verse 12, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. Verse 13, he imparts this in words to who? To those, plural, who are spiritual. And verse 16, we have the mind of Christ. They're boasting in their wisdom over each other. And Paul says, the very wisdom that you're using as a weapon against each other is the very wisdom that is supposed to be used to build and edify and strengthen the body. The very wisdom that God has given you, not because of your status, but because of grace, The very wisdom that has been given to you is a gift for the sake of the building up of the body. And as we, as the people of God, strive to live out the word of God, applied by the spirit of God, here's what happens. Wisdom is refined. What do I mean by that? The word of God is not refined. It's perfect. The Word of God never changes and it never fails in anything that it says or does. God accomplishes everything that He intends in all of the earth by His very Word. What is refined, we're just talking about this this morning in Bible study, what is refined is our understanding of God's Word to bring it closer into alignment with what is really there, And the application of God's word among us. Because I don't know about you, but I've got blind spots. 
I do know about you. You've got blind spots too. And what happens is, where we didn't see the pride that's in us, where we didn't see the unforgiveness that's in us, when we start doing life together, the very division that rises to the top gives us opportunity to take the Word of God and apply it there. The argument here gives us the opportunity to take the Word of God and apply it again there. The, the lack of treating one another the way the Bible has called us to gives us the opportunity to take the, the Bible and apply it to the picture of confrontation and dealing with sin and reconciling relationships. The person who's in sin, the person who's far from God, we're able to bring the Bible to bear. Why? Because we're doing life together. It refines. There is a community thing here never intended to divide them, but to bring them together. Paul said to the church at Colossae, let the word of Christ dwell among you richly. Oh, what a glorious picture it is when brothers dwell together in unity. Does not mean, does not mean that there is no division among us. And there's no disagreement. When Paul says, I implore you to agree together, it doesn't mean that you're going to agree over all things. It means that you're going to strive to come to agreement around God's word. So that whatever divisions relationally we have, they're covered by the blood of Jesus. That's the picture. And there isn't a situation... Or a person, or even a church, in which that cannot be true because of the gospel. When God, by His Spirit, brings a person out of their sin to trust in Jesus, and we realize the grace that's been extended to us, He, by His Spirit, takes His word and says, This. This is life. Live this. And he does it among a people. And he receives glory. So that all boasting is not in our worth. And all boasting is not in the things that we can achieve. Or our status in the kingdom. Or how much we know. All boasting is in the Lord. And that church is in unity. The source of true wisdom is the word of God. Applied by the spirit of God. Among the people of God. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? And so the mandate is to walk by the Spirit. To live according to the Spirit of God. To be step in step with God's Holy Spirit. Most of that is mysterious when you live it. When you follow the instruction of God's Word and what it means to walk daily in the Spirit of God. You experience Jesus walking with you in that way. It is unmistakable. When that is surrendered to the Word of God, when the Word of God is in your life, and you say, no matter what the conflict is, we're going to go to the Bible. No matter what the disagreement is, we're going to go to the Bible. No matter what the question is, we're going to go to the Bible. No matter how hard it seems, we're going to go to the Bible. No matter how much sacrifice it takes. No matter how much it makes me uncomfortable, we're going to go to the Bible. And I'm going to do that 
within the context of a bunch of broken people who love Jesus too. And we're going to do it with grace. And we're going to realize that we're all in this thing together and the very wisdom of God is given that I might build you up and you might build me up and we might encourage one another and spur one another on to good works. And so this morning, that's your life, believer. If there is any area in that that you are failing, failing to walk with the Lord every day, failing to live by His Word, failing to be a part of the local church, would you make that right today? You're saying, I need wisdom. That's where it comes, believer. Would you, would you make that right this morning? Just a few moments when we stand, I want to invite you to come to this altar and surrender that to the Lord. Boast in Him today. Trust in Him. Surrender at the foot of the cross. Maybe you're here this morning and you have no wisdom because you're relying on your own wisdom. And it's brought you to nothing. Today Jesus says, I'll save you. I'll rescue you from your brokenness. And today, you can be restored to me. Follow me. And know true wisdom. And everything won't be fixed overnight, but as you mature and you grow in Christ, God will do a work in your life. But it begins with being born again. So in just a few moments, if that's you, I want to invite you to step out of the place where you'll be standing. Come down to this altar. And today... Say, Pastor, today I want to be saved. I need to be rescued. And say, you come. Would you stand with me all across this room? I'm going to pray. This invitation will begin. This altar will be open. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would take your word and apply it by your spirit among this, your people. And that you would receive glory and honor in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. You come this morning. You've been listening to the Southwide Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor Jeremy Lewis. For more information about our church, please visit www.southwidebaptist.com. We also invite you to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram by searching for Southwide BC. Thank you for listening, and may you continue to worship connect, grow, and multiply as you follow Jesus Christ.